Hi, this is Selena for the Alchemy of Genres podcast. I was going to call this Classics That Don't Suck, but I got my chain pulled by the administrators. So we're instead calling this Literary Classics That Aren't Awful. But think of it in your head as Classics That Don't Suck. You'll get what I mean. And also, when I put this list together, yes, it's a personal list, but there are also things that have started or had an impact on the genres that are dear, near and dear to my heart, which are the speculative genres. A lot of people, when they talk classics, they're looking at high literature, supposedly. I am not a big fan of high literary works. Um, they seem to me to be more about the language and the use of it and the way they tell the story than the actual story. I have read many a classic and or award-winning book that had nothing happen the entire book, but the language and the setting and the struggles as illustrated by that bowl of soup that was spilled is overwhelming and boring. So I don't like those. So I always end and air on the side of, did it tell a good story? Is it impressive? Did I leave thinking this was cool? Or is this just words? And words by themselves are not useful, in my opinion. But I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a high class literary person. I'm sorry. So, this is a book podcast, a book podcast. I can't speak. So I did think it would be fun to talk some classics that because a lot of people are always like impressed by the classics that you've read for some reason. But I really like looking at the ones that I think have had an influence in sci-fi, fantasy, and horror especially, but just ones that I find fun and amusing and or just interesting to read and not, oh god, I have to read this, like I'm still in high school or something. So here's a guilty admission. Not really guilty. I, <laughs> the closest I'll get to sounding like a snooty upper crust person, which is that I adore Shakespeare, but only when I watch it. I don't necessarily like reading it because Shakespeare wrote his plays as plays. And to really get the sense of what it is that I'm reading, I would have to do it out loud and I would need the mannerisms and it becomes a whole one woman play. And that's interesting for other people to watch. Not so much fun for me to do. So I like to watch the redone versions or go see it on in a play form. I find them fascinating. The I always prefer the comedies or the anythings to the tragedies because life is full of tragedy. I'd like to focus on other things. But overall, I really like Shakespeare. So there you go. That's my admission. Every once in a while, education shows, I guess. <laughs> um, but the one that I'm going to talk about is uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, which is 
one of my favorites because it's got all of the things that come with it. And it's been around for so long that some of the elements of it you see everywhere. Um, you see Neil Gaiman in the Sandman comics doing one of his storylines all about Shakespeare and and the composition of Midsummer Night's Dream. And you see many, many, many authors uh, diving into the Fae, the mischievous Fae, trickster tales, which are even older than Shakespeare. But we all love a good trickster tale. Magic spells gone awry, comic moments that break up the drama. All of these things are in Midsummer Night's Dream, and they just make it a fun thing to watch and a fun thing to read or to speak aloud. The the fae, the fairy folk, the little people, however you want to pr pronounce it, they really are everywhere in fantasy fiction. And um, I really think, yes, fairy tales play a part in this and all of those, but Shakespeare also had a piece of it when he did Midsummer Night's Dream because it really looked at the courts and the way that they interact with humans and their different way of viewing things. And you see that in a lot of different literary books. And you see that in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy books that talk about or deal with or focus on the Fae. Because they all highlight different elements. They pick up different tropes. And so there you go. H.G. Wells is another huge name. And he is big in sci-fi and horror as well with um, the Invisible Man being the classic horror genre th thing, War of the Worlds, the classic aliens attacking us thing, and the time machine as a time travel device, but also I kind of like thinking of it as it was a, almost a dual level because it's about the time travel and messing with the time streams, but it's also about the lies that the government tell us, which is another thing that you see in a lot of sci-fi and horror. Uh, fantasy tends to deal with the nicer side of things, but some of the darker fantasy will also go into that. And in underlying current of all of those is the lies that the people who run things tell us. And the way that those truths are revealed is sometimes horrible and mind-blowing and horrific. And I think the time machine really caught that and some of the, the way that he handled that had an influence on the people that followed him. Jules Verne is another really, really interesting author because he focused with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Center of the Earth. His are more, to my mind, natural focused, the secrets hidden in the earth or in the sea, the mother nature gone awry, the idea that we don't know all that there is to know and what we don't know can hurt us. All of those are classics, especially in horror, but also dealt with in sci-fi and fantasy. And you also have the monsters that you can't see that 
you know, Mother Nature made this giant thing that if you only knew about or that because you messed with it, now it's a problem. Mark Twain, everyone thinks about him with Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. And while those are good books, those are not the ones I think of because people forget that he was funny and he had a lot of commentary on social issues as well as just funny. And it's the funny ones that I tend to uh, like the most. So I thought I'd mention a couple that were my favorites. So A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is a classic example of A Man Out of Time, which you see in a lot of, a lot of time travel adventures or uh, fantasy where you've got a person accidentally pulled into a fantastical Dungeons and Dragons universe and now you're a wizard and you're forced to assimilate and you just want to go home or maybe you're sucked back in time or whatever. So you see a lot of man out of time type books and TV shows. I mean, you've got some of those on Hulu and Amazon right now. Prince and the Pauper is one with the uh, peasant and the royalty that look alike and switch places. It's been done so many times. Once Disney does it with Mickey Mouse, you know that this has been done to death. But it still happens. And you see it a lot with ridiculous, you know, twins, mistaken identity, and switches of all kinds done. Um, and even changeling children and things like that. You see them done, again, in all the sorts of fantasy and horror um, and a little bit of sci-fi because you have aliens who can pretend to look like humans. And you see a little bit of that in there. One of my favorite short stories is The Million Pound Banknote, which was a great observational comedy on the fact that a person can pretend that something is of value and it becomes of value based on what other people around them think. If you've never read this one, because it's a little obscure, it's about a guy who makes, who has no money and he's homeless and he's down on his luck and someone makes him a bet. And he says, if you give me a million pound note, I will never touch it, but I will have my own house and my own company and my own wife and a great life and then I will give you your million pound note back. And sure enough, as soon as people see the million pound note, you start saying, well, can you make change? Oh, no, but I can forward you because I know you have that note and I'll open a bank account with, you know, that. I just can't change it for you yet. And it's always used as collateral, but never cashed in. And it just becomes this rolling cascade of things that happen as the dominoes start to fall. And I just, I loved the thought process behind it. And who doesn't love a good story of a good con? Um, and it's the long con. And sci-fi and fantasy love a good trickster tale with the long con of someone who's not completely trustworthy, but isn't a bad person either. They're just getting away with something. So some very important people that you can never forget would be Shelley's Frankenstein, because it is one of the original horror tales. And you see this, obviously it's been redone in movies and forms in so many types and so many ways. But the basic elements of it with reanimation, fighting death, the dead coming back to life, you see 
in all of the different ways that we have horror and fantasy, the dark fantasy rather. Monsters with a heart of gold, you see a lot. And then, of course, you have the evil scientists playing God and the or the evil scientist who is in control of people. Uh, either way, you see a lot of that. And that's sort of where she started that. The other one is Bram Stoker's Dracula with obviously vampires coming to the forefront and you see vampires everywhere. But it was really like the idea of vampires as seducers of the innocent, as these legends that were still heavily used. Twilight did try to ruin it a little bit with sparkly vampires, but even Meyer with the Twilight books kept the creepy romantic combination in there. I mean, there's nothing creepier than a guy watching you sleep for months and never telling you. That's just creepy. But it showed how he wasn't human and it was stalking, but he didn't think about it as stalking. He was claiming his woman. And you see a lot of that with the vampires, of them having a different moral code. They might have their own moral code, or if you've got a truly horrific tale, they have no moral code, but they don't think as humans, regardless of whether they started as humans. Once they are turned, they are no longer human. They are a different level, and, they, and humans are not on the same level, and they think of them differently. So Edgar Allan Poe is a very big favorite of mine. I was definitely a goth kid back in the day. And what I love about him is you see his elements in horror fiction all over the place. He was just excellent at making creepy, amazing stories that just resound even today. Things like the Telltale Heart and the Pit and the Pendulum. You see those elements in classic movies, in today's movies, with running away from a big thing or being caught between two objects. Cask of Amontillado being walled up in or trapped and not dying in your house. These are things that you see in a lot of horror, uh, even to this day. And they're just great stories. So if you haven't read them, you should. And if you have, maybe go back and reread them. They're worth a listen. Or a read. Lewis Carroll is not creepy, but could be made creepy. Because if you've never seen the Alice video games, you don't know what you're missing. But it's resounded because it's just this whole idea of falling into another world. So Alice's adventures in Wonderland and through the looking glass, you just see these tropes that have happened over and over again. This weird other world that's right under our feet or right above our head that we can fall into a hole or through a mirror. You see this with Narnia. You again have that idea of no one believing you later because time didn't have a chance to happen you know 10 years in Narnia is two seconds in human time you see this in um, Wizard of Oz where she has a dream did she really travel was it a dream it's um, you see it in a lot of different things and it started here with the idea of this other world that is dreamlike but not necessarily safe and has elements of creepiness but is also really interesting and fun and 
that whole not sure, am I in danger? Is this good? Is this bad? I can't trust what's in front of my face. Those are classic things that you see in a lot of different genres of speculative fiction. Robert Louis Stevenson with The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is again something that's been around for a long, long time and used heavily with its mystical, mysterious transformations or the monster hiding within, the nice gentleman who kills, or just the idea that science is dangerous to play with. All of those are things that you can see in a lot of different science fiction and uh, horror especially loves to delve with that, that monster that's hiding within. But you even see it in like mystery where, you know, the nice guy who just seemed like such a nice guy is hiding a million bodies in a torture chamber in his basement. It's really, really effective, that whole idea of hiding who you truly are and going with that hiding who you truly are you have Oscar Wilde with a picture of Dorian Gray which is again a person outwardly appearing beautiful and magical and everyone wants to be a part of your universe but underneath all of that is this truly evil horrible person and someone stumbles upon it and releases these consequences from finding them and the hidden faces of evil among us is really a great thing and it's kind of truly horrible and, and hard to imagine any world in which you can't visualize these things but once upon a time these did not exist until these people wrote them and that I find truly fascinating that there are these creations that someone once upon a time or in the case of Mary Shelley on a dare created these fabulous things that resound and still echo in our current literature in our current pop culture in video games and in movies and in tv shows you see this everywhere just these little bits that someone created and have resonated so strongly and so this is a nice short podcast for today because truthfully I don't have a lot of classics I read but I thought it would be a fun thing to check into and maybe try something short so next time we're going to dive into a little more of the horror and or the darker side of things with I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it all in one or if I'm going to split it, but we'll see how long it goes and we'll go from there. But it will either be pandemics in sci-fi and horror or pandemics and government conspiracies in sci-fi and horror because there's a lot of both of those, but I'm not sure how deep I'm going to delve. So we'll see. It might just be a long podcast where I cover a bit of a lot of things or maybe I'll focus a little more if I find there's too much we'll find out because I have to do the research if you have comments or if you have suggestions for topics always happy to hear them don't forget to check out books from your local library and find out what else they're doing and thank you for listening have a nice day